there and welcome to Women of Grit, a podcast that creates a safe space for women to have authentic conversations about our intersectional challenges and where we celebrate your strength and resilience. I'm your host, Dr. Ahn, the Gritpreneur and a Woman of Grit. Come on in. We saved a seat at the table for you. Today is March 8th, and we're celebrating International Women's Day. March is also Women's History Month. However, every day around the world, women are making history, despite all the intersectional challenges they face. Women are passionate and resilient in pursuit of their meaningful goals. Our world is full of women of grit, or as I like to call them, gritpreneurs. International Women's Day is not only a day to celebrate the social, economic, cultural, and political achievements of women, but also a day to recognize the progress that has been made towards gender equality and to acknowledge that more work needs to be done. This year's theme for International Women's Day is Embrace Equity. The Embrace Equity theme seeks to bring the world's attention to why gender equality is no longer enough and equity is what we are striving for. Even though equality and equity are often used interchangeably, they do not mean the same thing. And in fact, striving for equality can be exclusionary rather than inclusive, which is what we want. So what's the difference between equity and equality? And why is it important to understand, acknowledge, and value this? Equality refers to the idea that all people should be treated the same and have access to the same opportunities, resources, and rights, regardless of differences in race, gender, religion, socioeconomic status, and other demographic characteristics. Equality is based on the principle of fairness and aims to eliminate discrimination and ensure that everyone has an equal chance to succeed. Equity, on the other hand, refers to the idea that people should be treated differently based on their unique circumstances and needs to achieve a more just and fairer outcome. Equity acknowledges that different people face different barriers and challenges and that treating everyone the same may not lead to equal outcomes. So equity aims to address these underlying differences and level the playing field by providing different levels of support, resources, and opportunities to individuals or groups based on their specific needs and circumstances. So for example, two people want a piece of fruit. One of them has no teeth and the other has a full set. 
Well, you notice apples and bananas on the table, and you decide to be fair. You bring each person an apple. While they were treated equally, it was not equitable. Why? Because the person without teeth cannot bite into the apple. They would have been better off with a banana. The outcome is then that the person without teeth does not get to enjoy a piece of fruit because their specific needs and circumstances were not taken into consideration. In essence, equality aims to treat everyone the same while equity aims to achieve fairness by first recognizing and then addressing differences and inequalities. So International Women's Day highlights the progress we've made in the fight for gender equity, and this next segment underscores why equity is so important. Women have faced many challenges throughout history, including inequality in the workplace, lack of education, and limited access to healthcare. So today on Woman of Grit, I want us to remember and honor a woman who unwittingly made an enduring contribution to modern science and medicine. So today on Woman of Grit, I want us to remember and honor a woman who unwittingly made an enduring contribution to modern medicine and science. Even though her cells taken out of her body without her consent have long outlived her and continue to thrive in laboratories all over the world, making money she never got to enjoy and spurring advances in medicine she never got to benefit from. This is the story of Loretta Pleasant, a woman who touched the lives of countless people all around the world, even though she died young. Loretta Pleasant was born on August 1st, 1920 in Roanoke, Virginia, approximately 200 miles away from where I'm sitting in my recording studio right now. After her mother died in childbirth in 1924, young Loretta's father moved with his 10 children to Clover, Virginia, where he ended up dividing them up among relatives to be raised. Loretta was raised by her grandfather in a log cabin that had been the slave quarters of a white ancestor's plantation. While living with her grandfather, Loretta shared a room with her cousin, David Lacks, who was nicknamed Day. In 1935, at the age of 14, Loretta had a son, Lawrence, with her cousin, David, and a daughter, Elsie, in 1939. Loretta and David married on April 10, 1941, and shortly thereafter, David left Virginia to work at Bethlehem Steel Mill in Sparrows Point in Maryland. Due to World War II, business in the steel industry was booming, so David got work. If you do not recognize her name, Loretta Pleasant, don't feel bad. You live and learn just like I did. 
For you see, Loretta Pleasant is none other than Henrietta Lacks. So when David left Virginia to look for work in Maryland, he left Henrietta and their two children behind. But once he settled down, his family joined him at Turner Station, Maryland, a community outside Baltimore where many of the African-American steel workers lived. Turner Station is in Baltimore County and in the Dundalk area. That's for all my Maryland and Baltimore listeners who may be curious. Henrietta and Day, or David, had three more children. David Jr., Deborah, and Joseph. At the age of 10, Elsie, who was said to be developmentally disabled, was placed in a hospital that, believe it or not, had originally been called Hospital for the Negro Insane. I mean, that is insane. By the time Elsie was admitted around 1930, it, its name had changed and it was called Crownsville Hospital. Elsie is reported to have been deaf as a result of congenital syphilis. Unfortunately, every time I hear about syphilis in marginalized peoples, I remember Tuskegee. Elsie's diagnosis when she was admitted to the hospital was quote unquote idiocy. Wow. Whew. Her medical records show that she may have suffered abuse, been experimented upon, and mistreated. The experiment it's suspected she may have been subjected to is one in which the skull was drilled, a hole was drilled into the skull, and then the spinal fluid was completely drained out. The spinal fluid surrounds the brain and the spinal cord and kind of acts like a cushion. Well, in this hospital, they were draining the spinal fluid and then injecting gas like oxygen so that they could get better x-rays. It's suspected that Elsie may have been subjected to this. Remember, Elsie was admitted to Crownsville when she was only 10 years old. So talking about equity, talking about health equity, talking about what happens to marginalized peoples when they get into the healthcare system. Access is usually a problem, and that is part of the issue with equity in healthcare. So definitely, Elsie did not have a fun time at Crownsville Hospital. So back to Elsie. I mentioned that her medical records show that she may have suffered abuse, been experimented upon, and mistreated. Elsie Lacks, the second-born child of Henrietta and David Lacks, died five years after she arrived at Crownsville Hospital 
at the age of 15. I felt compelled to take this detour into the short life of Elsie Lacks because it underscores the health inequities that Black people and other marginalized groups faced in the past and that they continue to face today. Resting Power, Elsie Lacks. I'll return after a brief break to continue with the story of Henrietta Lacks. Welcome back to Woman of Grit Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Andy Gritpreneur. Before the break, I promise to continue Henrietta's story. When we left, little Elsie had died at the Crownsville Hospital in Maryland at the age of 15. She was Henrietta's second born. So back to Elsie's mother, Henrietta Lacks. On January 29, 1951, Henrietta went to Johns Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore, which still exists today by the same name in the same location. And in fact, is the same university I got my master's degree from. I took classes and worked in the School of Public Health, now called Bloomberg School of Public Health. The building in which I worked in the laboratory and went to classes downstairs in the early 1990s doing HIV research before leaving for medical school. That building was across the street from the hospital in which Henrietta sought care. So Henrietta went to the hospital because of abdominal pain and vaginal bleeding, which started before her fifth pregnancy and continued all through the pregnancy. She gave birth and went back for a six-week check. And finally, when she went to the hospital in January of 1951, she was referred to the gynecology department in February and a biopsy was done, which indicated that Henrietta had cervical cancer. So during subsequent treatments, doctors removed two cervical samples from Henrietta without her knowledge nor consent. At the time, it was obtaining consent to for any kind of procedure was not the standard of practice. So the cells from Henrietta's tumor made their way to the laboratory of researcher Dr. George Otto Gay, who noticed that unlike most cells, which survived only a few days, Henrietta's cells were more durable. Dr. Gay isolated and then multiplied a specific cell and created a cell line which he called HeLa cells. And this was because he named tissue samples. That was his naming convention. He used the first two letters of the first name and the first two letters of the last name of the patient the sample came from. So HeLa, Henrietta Lacks. As you will learn or already know, the HeLa cell line from Henrietta Lacks revolutionized medical research. While her cells thrived in the lab, Henrietta's health declined rapidly 
and by September 1951, the cancer had spread throughout her body. Henrietta succumbed to cancer and died at Johns Hopkins Hospital on October 4, 1951, at the young age of 31. HeLa cells then became the first human cells to be successfully grown in a laboratory. Henrietta's cells proved to be incredibly resilient, just like women in general, and Black women in particular. HeLa cells could multiply quickly, making them invaluable for medical research. Henrietta's enduring cell line revolutionized the field of medical research, leading to countless scientific breakthroughs. Jonas Salk of polio vaccine fame used the HeLa strain to develop the first polio vaccine, which sparked mass interest in the cells. As demand grew, scientists cloned the cells in 1955. Since then, over 10,000 patents involving HeLa cells have been registered. Researchers have used the cells to study diseases and to test human sensitivity to new products and substances. HeLa cells have been used in HIV research. They've also been used to develop chemotherapy treatments, including tamoxifen. The entire genome of the HeLa cell line has been mapped. There are so many health inequities associated with the circumstances surrounding Henrietta Lacks, her family, and the HeLa cells that were cloned from specimens taken from her without her consent or knowledge. Another health inequity is the genome of the HeLa cells, which is Henrietta's genetics, and it's available publicly, even though Henrietta still has living descendants. As of this episode, Joseph, who goes by another name right now, you can look it up. I decided not to give that new name in this episode, but it's available in the public domain. Joseph is alive, and more than half of his entire genome is in the public domain. I mean, it's more than half because, remember, Henrietta and David were first cousins. The irony I alluded to earlier is that I used HeLa cells while working in an HIV research lab in the School of Public Health at Johns Hopkins University. Like I said, in a building that was directly across the street from the hospital in which Henrietta got her care and in which her cells had been harvested and also where she died. It saddens me that I did not know Henrietta's story back then. I often wonder what I would have done differently had I known. Maybe I would have said a silent prayer. But I know I would have whispered words of gratitude each time I worked with HeLa cells. Or even possibly said something like, Thank you, sis. You did this. Actually, I really don't even really know what I would have done. While Henrietta Lacks unknowingly contributed to one of the most significant scientific discoveries in the history of mankind, and I stand by that statement, her contribution remained a secret from her family 
hidden in plain sight in almost every medical research laboratory in the world. That was until the 1970s when, ironically, scientists contacted the family, Henrietta's family, that is, for blood samples for further research. The family had no clue why all of a sudden they were getting numerous calls from scientists requesting blood samples. So this led to an ethical controversy surrounding the use of cells taken without informed consent and the exploitation of individuals from marginalized communities. Henrietta Lacks's case was an important component in the debate surrounding obtaining informed consent for patients for the extraction and use of cells in research. So today, HeLa cells continue to be used in medical research and the legacy of Henrietta Lacks lives on. In 2020, the National Institutes of Health, NIH, announced that it would work with the Lacks family to acknowledge and honor Henrietta's contribution to medical science while also addressing the ethical concerns raised by her story. In 2010, the story of Henrietta Lacks and her HeLa cells gained widespread attention with the publication of the book, The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks by Rebecca Sklutz and a subsequent movie in which Oprah Winfrey played the part of Deborah Lacks. Deborah Lacks is deceased now. The book brought attention to the ethical issues surrounding the use of HeLa cells and sparked a larger conversation about the need for informed consent in medical research. In 2013, the National Institutes of Health granted the Lacks family control over how data on the HeLa cell genome would be used. The genome of a HeLa cell line had been sequenced in full earlier that year. That's what I'm talking about. You know, just imagine having a majority portion of your DNA available for public consumption. Two members of the Lacks family formed part of the NIH's HeLa Genome Data Access Working Group, which reviewed researchers' applications for access to the HeLa sequence information. Women continue to face unique challenges, most of which are intersectional in nature. So definitely for Henrietta Lacks, it was the intersection of race, of gender, of socioeconomic status. So like I said, women continue to face unique challenges, most of which are intersectional in nature. However, we also have unique strengths, abilities, and superpowers. We have the power to change the world, and we must never forget that no matter how daunting the task may appear at times, we owe it to our daughters, our granddaughters, and our great-granddaughters to keep fighting. On this International Women's Day 2023, I encourage you to embrace equity and to challenge yourself and each other to be better. Challenge those around you to do the same and never forget Henrietta Lacks. But most of all, never forget the incredible power and strength that lies within you. Let us also remember 
that there's still much work to be done to achieve gender equity and that each of us has a role to play in making that happen. Let us continue to be inspired by the incredible contribution women like Henrietta Lacks made and continue to work together to create a better, more equitable world for future generations. That's it for today's episode of Women of Grit. Thank you so much for joining us as we honored International Women's Day and the life and legacy of Henrietta Lacks and her contribution to modern medicine and scientific research. There are links on our podcast page to learn more about Henrietta Lacks. Our podcast page is womanofgritpodcast.com. This information will also be included in the show notes. If you liked today's episode, please subscribe to our podcast at womanofgritpodcast.com or your favorite listening platform. Rate our podcast and also leave an honest review after you listen. If you have any feedback for us, please send an email to womanofgridpodcast at gmail.com. We love to hear your thoughts and feedback. Hey, hey, this is Dr. Ann, the Gridpreneur. Just a reminder that my book, Woman of Grits, How to Find Your Voice, Reclaim Your Power, and Transform Your Life is available on Amazon and wherever great books are sold. Please rate the book on Amazon because apparently that is where everyone goes to look for ratings. Thank you for listening and come back next week. Yes, next week, Woman of Grit is now a weekly podcast. Until then, remain ever gritful and never quit. Your future self is counting on you.